There are two keys to becoming an excited, extravagant giver. And uh, we, we need to learn that God created us to be that. God's plan was to use us. Matter of fact, uh, this, this morning, uh, I was in traffic for an hour and 20 minutes getting to, to the office today. I usually get here around 7, a little bit before, after, depending what goes on in the morning. And uh, I didn't get here until 8.15, but I left the house at 6.30. And um, the, the reality is, is that there was a tragic thing that took place on the 60, and uh, there was a death, and they closed the freeway. And uh, I tried to let my wife know about that. I texted her. She said, okay. She didn't see that I told her to take the 10 around. And so she's stuck in traffic right now. That's why she's not here. And um, so, you know, there are so many things that go on. But I was in the traffic, and I had my windows open because we were basically moving along. And so I thought, you know, when we stop, I'm just going to look down and just pray over the notes. So I had my Bible there, had my notes open. And finally, they were starting to take us over to the side. This truck driver, because he sits up high, looks down. He's seeing that I'm looking at my Bible. And so he beeped the horn. I went like this, looked up at him. He says, go ahead in front of me. Are you a preacher? I said, yeah. He said, give him the word. <laughs> I said, amen. Amen. So, you know, let, let's make lemonade out of sour stuff, right? You know, you can face stuff. You can do things. But let's just... Let's begin to see God as who he really is. And so in this, Paul had written to the church in Corinth, and he was trying to remove all objections to giving. Because Paul knew, even as Pastor Dan said earlier, that giving is a key to the realities of God's purpose in our lives. And I've had to say this because you know how religious church is. You know, it's and religious people are, well, that's all you ever do is talk about money. And it's not just, even though it was an offering, God teaches us through our money. How many of you learn lessons through money? Amen? God teaches us through money. But the reality is, is that there are many more things. God has gifted you. Did you know that you are created perfectly to accomplish exactly what God purposed for you? that there's nothing that you need except to understand the process in how to get there. And the process is giving away who you are to others. The process is, is that one word, that ugly word that's called selfishness, is, is to remove selfishness out of our lives so that others become more important than ourselves. Because God said, I will take care of you. But when you give, abundance will manifest. And he's talking about the calling on your life. And so why God has gifted you, again, is there is a greater purpose. And that is basically the focus that we've been talking about in this series. And I have a few more weeks with this. Next week, I can't wait uh, as we uh, conclude what I'm going to bring you today next week. There's just so much in the Bible, because it's God's heart. God so loved the world that he gave. God gave of himself. Jesus gave of himself. The Holy Spirit is always there. And we need to understand that giving of ourselves is what will produce everything that God has planned in our lives. So the two keys that we have learned so far is, is to give into the kingdom, and we called it, the Bible called it seed, 
of God, and it will meet you in the future. When you give, you are literally planning your future, your success in what you're giving. It's talking about money, it's talking about friendship, and all of these things. So to understand the second part or key is to understand the loving nature of God, and that's what we've been talking about. And because God's loving nature is so huge and amazing that it takes so much for us to explain it. So I, you know, I'm the type of guy that, that administratively I like to cut things down to make it simple and all that. And I was talking to the Lord. I said, God, you're just showing me so much here. I said, well, what do you want me to cut out? And he said, none of it. I want you to explain it all. So forgive me or forgive God, I guess I should say, that as we spend a little bit more time on this subject, of understanding the loving nature of God. And if you're created in the image and the likeness of God, then you are the same way. We have to recognize who we are. God has gifted you and called you to impact your world. Now, the world is two things. It's literally that we can go and touch the missionaries like we have. Cambodia with our orphans that that we take care of every single month. But the reality is this is that you have your world. It's your marriage. It's your children. It's your grandchildren. It's your job. It's your finances and everything else. So we have to recognize that God has gifted you and called you to give everything that you are so that it meets you in the future. And also, in order to understand that, you have to understand who you are. You're created in the image of God. So the question in giving is, How do you know God's will for your life? How do you know what to do? How do you know how to give? How do you know what to give? You see, because it's difficult to give in the kingdom if you don't know God's will. So we have to realize not only to understand the nature of God, but also to understand his will. Because how many of you know if you're a giver, people want to take from you? Okay, so you have to have wisdom in your giving also. But this is not what this series is about. Maybe sometime next year uh, we'll, we'll teach on that. But in reality, I, I want you to turn to Jeremiah 29, and we're going to look at Jeremiah 29 11 in a moment. And you know this scripture. We've quoted it many times. But I'm just going to share with you the background of Jeremiah 29 11, when the prophet prophesied to Israel. So let me say this to you as you're turning The most important thing in the world for you and me is knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. With everything that we are learned, bottom line, what this is about is your relationship with God. But the second to that is especially becoming an excited, extravagant giver is knowing God's will for your life. So you know God personally as your Savior, but now that you literally become that giver and you know the will of the Lord. You know what God is saying. Let me tell you, as you give, it opens the windows of heaven of God's knowledge and wisdom of his purpose in your life. Giving is a key. So it's important to have the answer to why were you created in your mother's womb? Notice I didn't say Uh, when mom and dad had you. I said, when you were created in your mother's womb. There's a purpose why you're there. No no matter whether you were, you know, to to some people, I've 
I've ministered to people that their parents said, you are a mistake. God never makes a mistake. You are so important to the Lord. Church, you have to hear this. The most difficult thing that we have in our society, especially in our community, is people really don't realize that they're important. They don't realize that they're very special, and God has ordained them specifically to do something important in this world, in their life. So about a year ago, I I showed you a secular poll, and I want to show you this again, that interviewed Christians and non-Christians. And here was the poll. If you can only ask God one question, what would that question be? As another, the number one response was, why am I here? You know, there are a lot of people that you meet in life at the grocery store, at the store, the gas station, that don't know why they're, they're here. They struggle with the very essence of why they live. That's why suicide is, is such a huge thing in our society. The main question from the world is, why am I here? And with believers included, this is what the question is. What is your will for my life, God? There are many believers today that are living their life. They're wonderful people. They're doing wonderful things, but they really don't know God's will. And in many cases, because they've been intertwined with the attacks of the enemy, they have a tendency to think things like the evil, the situations, the death, the loss, all this is God's fault. God's doing this. I must have done something wrong. You know, I, I must have done the unpardonable sin. You know, and let me just tell you again, you know this, I've taught this, but the unpardonable sin is the rejection of Jesus Christ. Every other sin can be forgiven, except you choosing to not accept Christ. That's the unpardonable sin. And there are people that have taught you that if there are certain things you do in life that you've done something that you can never get to heaven. There are people that are teaching ideology about, you know, that there are only certain people chosen. And uh, everybody else is just, just here just to be used by God. And, and that's such a lie. And I want you, if you begin to hear stuff like that, And uh, you just need to just walk away from it, get in the Word of God, and understand that Jesus Christ loved all people, and if they would receive Jesus Christ, he would accept them. So everyone must understand this truth. Watch this. God's will in your life is good news. God's will in your life is good news. Anytime you know the will of God, it's good news. I didn't say that there wouldn't be tribulation in the action of doing God's will, because there will be. There will be times in your life that it'll be God's perfect will for you to step into a situation, and at first it seems like all Hades has broken loose against you, and yeah, it, it may have. But the reality is, is God is there. It is good news. In the end, it will work out. All things will work together for good because all good things come from the Father above. God does not set you into evil. God moves you through evil. And you have to recognize God's will, again, is good news. I promise God's will 
it will encourage you. When you know God's will, there will be encouragement in your heart. Even though it may be hard, because it's a narrow way, even though it may be hard, it's going to encourage you. So let's now talk about four things, and that's why it's going to take us a while. Let's now talk about four things that are good about God's will for your life. First of all, we must understand in God's will, the purpose of giving, being an extravagant giver, God loves you and always has a good plan for your life. That has to be cemented in your thinking. How many of you in your life, through, through your walk with God, have questioned things of God and at times have blamed God? I did all you asked me to do, but look what's happening. I just want to give up. You ever gone to someone and say, I just want to give up? And I want you to understand, God loves you and always has a good plan for your life. When you see things that are falling apart because you're being obedient, you have to recognize that either, either is the enemy or life around you that is trying to get you out of the will of the Lord. Stay in your faith. Stay focused on what you know God said to you. Don't you dare, excuse me, don't you dare leave what God has said for you. That's why people run around from home to home, spouse to spouse, church to church, because they don't know God's will. God's not schizophrenic, church. He's not telling you one thing one day and the next another thing another day. The opposite thing. God's in love with you. And from that basis of love, he has a good plan for you. So let's read Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, this is scripture. We know it. We've read it. But when you hear the background, you're going to see something different. For I know the thoughts, God is saying this through the prophet, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you see that? A future and a hope. You're giving, the seed that you give produces the future. Now, I, I know you've seen this scripture, but I want you to know the prophet spoke to a nation in judgment. At this point, Israel is, is in judgment because of their disobedience. God for generations has warned Israel they were a people of compromise. God gave them law, and they compromised the law. And they were full of sin. But they were God's people. God loved them, and he was patient over and over and over and over. God was so full of patience with them. And he said, please do not follow what I ask you to do, and you will be blessed. I will be your rear guard. I will be the one that protects you. But they rejected that. So God said, if you don't heed my warning, I will send judgment. This is Old Testament. As a nation, and they didn't heed that warning. So watch this. Because they didn't heed the warning, as Jeremiah is speaking to Israel, the Babylonians have conquered Israel and are taking them into captivity as he is speaking for the next 70 years. For the next 70 years. They disobeyed the things that God asked them to do. And because of that, that had to be returned to the Lord. 
Because they did not, watch this, they did not give of what God said to give. So picture this. God comes in the midst of judgment and all that is happening in their lives and says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. And they're in chains and walking towards the land of the Babylonians. I think Israel is kind of like what we would be. Most of us would say, yeah, right. Look at my life. Look what's going on in my life. I'm hurt. I'm offended. I'm tired of all the stuff that I'm facing. And here this God is saying, for I know the thoughts I have towards you. And a lot of people will point their finger at God and say, you are a liar. Look what's going on in my life. Now, what is happening here? What is going on? The same thing that's going on to God is what happens to you all the time. What the enemy does and what sometimes people that are so-called friends or family will do to you. What we would do in most cases is we would just basically say, you know what, I give up, forget it. God, you said this, I thought I was in line and, and the heck with you, using other terminology. You know what, this ha- what happens when we do this, when we withdraw from God? When we withdraw from being that extravagant giver of ourselves and everything that we are, we are stopping you from giving the greatest gift away. It stops you from you giving you your gifts and your calling away. See, the enemy knows that God's plan is to bless you and to honor you and to guide you and to protect you so that you can accomplish the things that he's put in your life. But what happens, life comes, tribulation comes, And many believers, many people give up and they point their finger at God and say it's all your fault. And watch this. Have you ever been falsely accused? Has someone ever come to you and said, you know what, I know what you're thinking. How do they know you're thinking? How do they know what you're thinking? Let's read Jeremiah 29, 11 in the Message Bible. Keep that thought. I know what I am doing. I have it all planned out, God's saying. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. Israel's concept of God at this time probably wasn't a good picture. Some of you, your concept of God might not be a very good picture right now because of what you're facing, what you're going through. This is so important. As you live your life as a giver, your concept of God is so vital. What you see, who God is. When when things seem like it happens exact opposite of the Word of God says, you need to have a right concept of God. Now follow me this. If, If you believe that God is a loving God, it will be real easy to hear God's will because God is a loving God. But if you have a distortion in your concept of God, 
then you will have a hard time hearing from him. Because every time he says something, that you will have a different thought of what he says. Back in the early 70s, there was a prophetic singing group called the God Squad. I told you about them a few years ago. To some of you, it's not the program, the Mod Squad. They were called the God Squad. I was sitting in the back of the church, and I was brand new in confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, and the lead singer called me out, and he said, God knows me. And then he began to accurately, where I was in my life, depict my life, and prophetically stated things regarding leadership in my future. And much of that has come to pass. You know, it's amazing to me, but this is what stuck with me. God, the creator of the universe, knows me. I'm pausing there because I want you to get the right concept of God. God knows you. You're not a stranger. He knows you're going out and you're coming in. God, the creator of the universe, knew me. God really does know you, and he really does love you. And it's the devil's full-time job to destroy our concept of God. Our greatest difficulty of giving isn't that we don't have something to give. Because God has already blessed us and given us these things. Our greatest difficulty in giving is that we don't have a correct concept of who God is. And who we are, our purpose, and what God has said for us, the will of the Lord in our life. So here's how the enemy, the devil, his full-time job, he comes in and he brings pain, he brings failure, and he brings sin. These three he uses to accomplish the distortion. Your pain, your failure, your sin is nothing to the Lord. Jesus shed his blood for your sin. Your failure, God could take you from one moment to another, take you from failure to success in an instant. Nothing is too big for God. But when we uh, begin to look at our pain, look at our failure, look at sin in our life, things that we've done, we've all been there, things that we know we're not supposed to do, we do anyways, and we try to stop it, we get angry, we, you know, all the different things because of life that goes on. Well, let me explain it this way. Have you ever heard of the dog whisperer? The devil is the hurt whisperer. Anytime we go through tragedy, anytime we fail, Satan is always there to interpret it. He's telling us about God. He's telling us about ourselves and others in a distorted way. When you face tragedy, when you face difficulty, he begins to whisper things into you and to say things that are opposite of God. Because your concept of God in being an extravagant giver is so vital. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were put in paradise in the presence of the Lord. That is always God's will. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mankind started in paradise, in his presence, and perfect will, and we will end in paradise, in his perfect will with God. But while we are here, the key is being an extravagant giver. See, the beginning and the end of the Bible are the same, except it gets better. Our failures did not shoo God away from loving us. The failure of Israel, the captivity of Babylon, was not a failure. But, but here's, here's what we need to see. In the Bible, the devil began to accuse God to Adam, saying, he doesn't love you. Why did he tell you not to eat that? He must not love you or care. God's word is not true, he'll tell you. Any area of your life, God's word is not true. They became ashamed and Satan slithered up to them and told them, you are defective. You have no cause to even live because you're defective. You can't do this thing. Look what you do. Look what you did. You're naked. Look it. Cover yourself up. And what happens when, in people is they begin to back away from being a giver. And I thank God for our church because we've gotten into the Word of God. We've been discipled. And we're pure givers. We're not just talking about money again. And literally, as a pastor, sometimes I get tired of saying it that way. Because I shouldn't have to. We should be extravagant. We should be excited about giving in every area of our life. But the reality is, is you have become amazing. You have done so much in the kingdom of God. You have accomplished so much. Oh, yeah, you know, there's no bridge that's named after you. There's no city building that's named after you. But the enemy wants to say you're defective, and God says that's not true. As God was speaking to Israel, they were in the midst of the greatest destruction of their life at that time of history of those people at that time. And he's saying, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Let me say this to you. Again, if you get into a place of your life <laughs> and you get in an argument and someone says, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this. Matter of fact, gentlemen, let me give you a, a clue here. Never to do this. If a woman comes up to you and says, do I look ugly in that dress? Even if she does, don't tell her that. But here's, here's my point. Israel was saying things about God and what he was doing towards them. And God was saying, I know my thoughts towards you. 
Don't you tell me what my thoughts are. I know my thoughts towards you. They are to be a blessing to you. They are to protect you. They are to, to guide you and direct you and to be with you. Stop telling me what I'm not. Amen. You see, we have a tendency to do that too. The statement is saying, now you cannot relate to God or each other. That's what the enemy wants to do. And that's not God's heart. Every tragedy, every sin, and every failure in our lives is an open door. The devil will always use these three open doors to convince us God is finished with us. There is no way he can love us, and we are under judgment. At this time in Jeremiah, Israel is going into captivity, and they're under judgment. Israel's enemies are telling them God is finished with them. The circumstances tell them God is finished with them. God comes in that environment and says to Israel, I know my thoughts towards you. I know my thoughts towards you. People don't know what you're thinking. That's so frustrating. I am not thinking that. Stop, God says. God said, listen to me. I know the thoughts I'm thinking towards you. I know where you are at. I know. God is arguing with a group of people telling him what he is thinking. That's what Jeremiah 29, 11, oh, isn't that wonderful? But it's right in the midst of God really saying, stop it. You think we're no good. You think you're done with us. We know what you're doing, God. You're getting rid of us. So God goes through them. God goes to them through the prophet to tell them his position. And watch this. I know what I'm thinking. You, today, up in the balcony, God is saying, I know what I'm thinking. Don't tell me what I'm thinking. I, listen, I will tell you what I am thinking. Peace and not evil. God's plan for your home is peace. Some of you have faced the most difficult things in your homes. God's plan is peace. He's speaking to a people that were in rebellion. I'm asking you to not wait for someone else to move into that giving reality so you to feel good about it. I'm asking you to say, you know what? I'm a child of God. God's plan for me is peace, and I'm going to walk in it. Whatever I need to do, 
I'm going to walk in that peace. If my spouse, if my children, if my grandchildren are, are beginning to be, and I'm just going to say it, idiots, mine aren't. I'm going to walk in peace. I will not allow anything in life to keep me from being who God called me to be. I will not allow anything. It it drives me crazy sometimes going on uh, Facebook and seeing some of the statements people are making that love God. Sometimes I have to literally just cut it off. The, The reason is because I will not answer to that. I will not join in with things that are opposite just like Israel was. God has called me to peace. Let me give you a clue. God's called you to peace too. And it's how you move in your life, hearing the voice of God. As you have a heart of giving instead of withdrawing, then what it will do, it will create that atmosphere where God's plan will work for you. He said, peace and not evil. There's evil in this world. There's evil that is manifesting in this world. Just yesterday, four women in France, they threw acid in their faces. That's evil. My flesh would say, arrest them and give them a bath in acid. Don't look at me that way because that's the way you think too. But we take those thoughts and it leaves. Amen? There are times that you, this, you, you know, you go to church and worship and praise God and hear about a miracle and pray for someone and a miracle takes place and you're driving down the road and it's, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, someone cuts you off. There you go, you. Right? Yeah, don't look at me like that. You know, you, you yeah, I know. Matter of fact, while you're in here, we've put cameras in all your cars, so we know. No. Peace and not evil. A future. Oh, I got an amazing future ahead of me. Because I have desired to be that extravagant giver. And I have done that over and over and over again. Sometimes when give, have you ever given to where it hurts? Yeah. Some of you are sore today because you gave Friday and Saturday all day. Lifting tables, lifting, you haven't done that and you're sore. Your knees are sore, your ankles are sore, your elbows are sore. But you're in church worshiping the Lord. Why? Because you're an extravagant giver. And you don't allow pain, you don't allow things to hinder you from knowing the will of the Lord and walking in these things. A future. What is your future? What seeds are you planting? You have to understand in everything, knowing that God just absolutely loves you. We've learned this. You are his daily delight. You know, 
some, some men you think, oh, I don't know what this love is. You know, well, we'll learn what this love is. Learn what it is. I'm a guy. I like sports. I play sports. I'm a legend in my own mind now at 59. But a couple days, I, I played golf with my brother in a tournament, and uh, my brother and I won about a third of the money. I gave that money away because I was ministering to someone on the golf course, and I found him and said, here, this will help. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, pastor, you're just wonderful. You're not supposed to say anything when you give. You know, we need to just really rejoice. We're, all, we're always rejoicing when people are in pain, really. Why don't we get to a place when we rejoice because people are giving? People are succeeding. Why don't we rejoice when someone is just like, as, as they've been trying to teach us regarding worship, and all of a sudden someone just gets so excited, starts clapping, almost seems like they're out of order, and they're shouting to the Lord, and we look and say, well, what's up with them? They're different than they were before. <laughs> you know, why don't we rejoice in what God's doing? Amen? Yeah. And, and the reality is, is, is the future and a hope. For, you know what hope is? Hope is literally knowing your future. Knowing what it is. When you become a person that understands God's love towards you, and you become that extravagant giver, and you know that there's a greater purpose in your life than just your needs being met, then what happens is you begin to give. And in that giving, then you know there's a hope, a future and a hope, because you literally know God's, God's thoughts. He says it in the Word. He says, I will bless you. Give, and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. How many times in Israel that, that God says, give, they gave, and he says, stop! Because they gave so much. But see, that's the hope that we have. I look, you know, my grandkids come running in my office this morning. And uh, Ryan and I were laughing <laughs> because I have jelly beans in there. And so before they leave, I always give them two black licorice and two orange tangerine. And Jude, at his age, I only give him one black and one orange. He's always the last. And I put it in his hand, and he goes like this. <laughs> Just pops it in there. Don't tell his mom that I do that. But anyways. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do that. And, and Ryan and I were laughing. and says, you know why they're coming in here. I said, yeah, to see their papa. <laughs> no. Partly. Paquito. <laughs> yeah. Here's... here's what I want to close with. Next week, we're going to continue. We're going to find the other three areas. 
But I want you to understand, as I looked at my mother, and I sat with her because they're changing her insurance and all the different things, and I went to a meeting with her, AAA where she worked and all that. Three quarters of the way through, she looked at me with tears in her eyes. I'm telling you, I'm talking about a smart woman that supervised, managed whole offices. Looked at me and says, I'm scared. I don't know what they're talking about. And I looked at her, and I didn't say, oh my goodness, something's terribly wrong. I said, it's okay, Mom. I know what they're talking about. And I got it written down right here. And I will tell Larry about it. I'll tell Rich about it. And I'll talk to Eddie about it. And we got you covered. That's the heart of God. Right now, you might think, I don't know what to do. I'm scared what's going on in my life. I don't know, my, I don't know what God's called me to do. I want to tell you, God is saying to you, don't tell me my thoughts. I know my thoughts towards you. They're of good to bring you a future and a hope. Climb in his lap. Know who he is and know who you are. And When you do that, you will begin to recognize all that you've done is for a greater purpose. And your stuff begins to just drizzle away, melt away. And you begin to see God. You begin to see his purpose. You begin to see how loved you are. And you're not a mistake. You're a blessing to those that you're sitting with. You're a blessing to those that you are around. When you go to work and it's hard, you're a blessing. You're there to be that blessing, to be that, that stick that you stick in a tomato plant, that the tomato plants grow on. You're the one, because why? The love of God just pours out of you. Forgiveness, patience, that's God. Let's all stand.